good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, we are thankful for this day, and Lord, I'm thankful for your goodness to us. I'm thankful, Lord, for your word. I pray that you would use it today to speak to our hearts. God, you know the heart condition of every person in this room. There's no denying that. There's no escaping that. Lord, there are some hearts that are very open and receptive to whatever your word would bring forth today, and other hearts today no doubt are hardened, are calloused, and not ready to receive the word. And Lord, unless you do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, then unless, unless you do the work, it will not get done. And God, I'm asking you today to do that work. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to penetrate our hearts no matter how soft or hard they might be. And Lord, that today you would work in our midst. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. just want to remind us of the last couple of messages out of the book of James that we've been looking at because of how this is all tying together and as I mentioned last week how it's overlapping with one another but it was two weeks ago that we watched as James declared that God saved us through the working of the word of truth in our lives and so I tried to show us that it's because of the Word of God working that we were able to see our need of salvation, that we were able to see the need to call upon Christ to save us. But in light of that, in focusing on the Word of God, James said this, that we need to be people who are swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So whenever we're confronted with the Word of God, what James said is this, is we need to be quick to make application. We need to be quick to try to understand what the Word of God is communicating to us. We need to be slow in our response to try to justify or to try to rationalize whatever issue we've been hit with or issue we've been confronted by. And we need to be slow to wrath because if we're honest, there are times we know that when the Word of God hits us, we get angry. Have we ever been there? The Word of God hits where we're at. The Word of God hits where we're living. And because we don't want to hear it, we're quick to get angry about it. Yeah, it happens. Some of us aren't very quick to hear. Some of us don't want to give attention to the Word of God. And, and James just reminds us in verse number 20, he said, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So whenever we get angry as a result of hearing the Word of God, this we can know for sure we're not going to be right with God. We can get angry, we can justify it, we can rationalize it, we can excuse it all we want. But James just said, you've got to know that if you let wrath prevail in your life when confronted by the Word, you will not be right with God. Then last week he went on to say this in verse number 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. We talked about how this passage of scripture is simply saying this that our souls our inner man still has a desire we still have wants and because of our sinful nature we still have things that we want to do and ways that we want to live and and pursuits we want to follow after that are not good for us that are not helpful to us and and James just said this listen when confronted with the word of God you need to be willing to receive it with meekness there needs to be an, a, a willingness on our part to receive it with humility 
and and you've got to get rid of whatever it is that the word of god has has impressed upon you that is sinful activity he said you just have to receive the word of god with humility and change what it is you're doing that really is the only right response to the word of god and so we've been dealing with this for the last couple of weeks i said last week it would be overlap then and i told you just know that today there would be overlap and and guess what i wasn't lying to you there is overlap today from what we've talked about the last two weeks and that's fine but for myself i got to be honest and tell you as i've as i've realized how this ties in together I've been somewhat overwhelmed because of how clearly Scripture addresses the issues of the heart of man. And so this morning, with that in mind, I'm going to share a story with you. I know it's not an exciting story, but I think it's one that most of us can relate to in one way or another. Most of you know this, that Mondays are my day off. And so I've got kind of a ritual or a routine that I go through on Sunday nights. And it basically consists of this, doing nothing until I'm ready to go to bed. I go home, I get into my comfortable clothes, I sit in my recliner, and usually I watch music videos until about midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning. It just gives me the ability to unwind and just kind of set my mind in a different direction. So I love to watch YouTube videos, Gaither music, Southern gospel music. It's just a good outlet for me. And the kids, and Susie would tell you, I do this almost every week until stupid hours of the morning. So that in mind, when I finally go to bed around midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever it may be, I very seldom ever set an alarm. I just let myself sleep as late as I can on Monday and and so when Monday mornings roll around and I eventually get up and, uh, or wake up and, and get up and start my day, I, I go into the restroom. And, and in our restroom, I'm sure like many of your restrooms, we've got this large mirror over our vanity. It's not one of those mirrors that you can avoid. It's not one of those mirrors that you can just kind of slip by and not see yourself. And, and so in this or in our bathroom, there's this large mirror And you know what it does? It reveals to me how well I slept the night before. And after being up till midnight, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then sleeping however late I'm able to sleep that day, a lot of times that mirror says, you slept pretty rough last night. My hair's going all these different directions. It's just not a pretty sight. But part of my Monday routine is this, is to stumble into the living room and sit in my recliner, start reading the news on the laptop and maybe watching some more videos because I just love to listen to music. And so as I'm doing all that, I'm sitting there in all my radiant glory. I've still got on my comfy clothes. I know that I look like a mess. My hair is all messed up, etc., But you know what? I don't care. That's the bottom line. I don't care. I don't care if my shirt matches my shorts. I don't care if my shirt has a hole in it, which oftentimes they do. I know you don't care. I'm just saying, I don't care. I don't care if my hair is all messed up. I don't care. I just, I don't care. The mirror says it's ugly. The mirror says it's rough. The mirror says, buddy, you need some attention. I go into the living room in that same condition 
because I just don't care. Now, as you think about that this morning, look if you would, please, for just a moment in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse number 25. James chapter 1, verse number 25. Here is what he said to believers. This is very important that we remember this. He said this to believers. He said, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Whenever James speaks of the law of liberty, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about, obviously, with the context of everything, the Word of God. He is talking about the Word of God, and here's what he says of the Word of God, that it is a perfect law of liberty, or it is a perfect Word of God. So that means there's no flaws, that means there are no imperfections, that means there is nothing wrong with it. You and I, we can say with confidence today that we hold a perfect Word of God. I know that some would question that. I know that others would doubt that. I understand that. But by faith, we believe what James would say about the Word of God, that it is a perfect law of liberty. It is something that will lead to happiness and joy and freedom. And, And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But I want us to be reminded of this, that the Word of God, it is perfect. Now, several weeks ago, you may remember this, that I talked about how the Word of God addresses issue in our lives. The Word of God addresses those issues so many times in a way that is very clear, very easy to be understood, and it's not something that we've really got to question or wonder about. And and I want us to, to, I want to, let me start over. I, I want us to think about some of the ways in which the Word of God confronts us and and addresses issues that that may show up in our lives from time to time. How many of us have ever had the Word of God address our attitude? Uh, Trust me, if you've been in church very long at all, the Word of God at some point has addressed your attitude because we don't always have the best attitudes. The Word of God, no doubt, at some point in our lives, if we've been confronted with it at all, very many times, it's confronted our actions, hasn't it? Things that we were doing, not just our attitudes, but the things that we were doing, maybe the words that we have been speaking. And and it might be that it's the thoughts that it confronts. It might be our relationships and and how we're handling our relationships, whether it be from the marriage relationship or, or with our children, with our parents, or with people just in general. The Word of God confronts us on relationships, doesn't it? It does. The Word of God confronts us sometimes by way of our priorities. It relates to us or, or it confronts us sometimes in the area of pride, self-righteousness. So many things that the Word of God addresses. And if we're around the Word of God very much, it'll hit us here and hit us here and hit us here and hit us here. We don't get to escape very many bullets, so to speak, that the Word of God aims our direction. It's just the way it works. So understanding that the context is still dealing with the Word of God, the perfect law of liberty, go back to verse number 22 for just a moment. Scripture that most of us are familiar with. He said, But be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only. 
But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I want us to see this. It's so simple. It's so basic. You don't need me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. And that would be this, that whenever we are confronted with the word of God, do you and I realize we only have one of two responses available to us? There is not a third option. We will either be a doer of the word or we will be a hearer only of the word. But there is not some other option that we can pursue. So concerning this perfect law of liberty that may, con- that may confront us about our attitudes, our actions, our self-righteousness, our pride, whatever it may be, the word of God confronts us and James says, Be ye a doer of what the word says. So what does it mean whenever he says to be a doer? It just means this, be the person who performs what God's word says. So if the word of God were to confront us on our attitude, James says, do it. If the word of God should confront us in the area of our actions, whatever it needs to be, James says, do what God's word says about your actions. As it relates to your relationships, husband with wife, wife with husband, parents with kids, etc. Whatever the word of God says, James says, do it. Do it. If the scripture confronts you about being self-righteous, then, then change what your attitude is and change what your spirit is. Do what is right. Do what the perfect law of liberty tells you to do. He said, don't just be a hearer of it. What does it mean to just be a hearer of it? It, it means this, you hear it, but you don't do it. It's fairly simple, isn't it? See, here's what a hearer does. A hearer hears, change your attitude, but the hearer doesn't do it because they're not a doer, they're just a hearer. The hearer hears, work on the relationship, but they hear it while they hear it, they don't do anything with it. That's why they're just a hearer and not a doer. The Word of God says, have these priorities in your life, and and the hearer hears it but doesn't do it. That's why they are a hearer only and not a doer. Isn't this simple? The doer is the one who performs what the Word of God says. The hearer is the one who hears it, but does not act upon what it is they've heard. So notice in verse number 23 what James said. For if any man be a hearer of the Word, and not a doer... He is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now, some of you probably know this, that they didn't have mirrors like we have them today in the days of James. But they did have the ability to see their reflection and to see their image. And so he is speaking now of the person who beholds themselves in the glass, kind of like you and I might in a mirror And notice he is talking about the hearer of the word and not the doer of the word. He said he is like or to be compared to the man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself. What does it mean to behold himself? It just basically means this, to take it in. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is what the glass or the mirror reveals about me. But he says this of the one who is the hearer, that he beholds himself and goeth his way, continues on, 
and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So what does the hearer do? Well, the hearer sees himself in light of the Word of God. Whether it be attitude, actions, language, priorities, spirit, whatever it is, the hearer of the Word sees what he is in comparison to the perfect law of liberty. But here's what he does. He goes on his way and straightway. What does that mean? It means this, immediately. He immediately forgetteth what manner or type of person he was. So we'll put it in a church setting like this, and and we could say it like this, that that maybe a person comes to church and they hear a sermon and it affects their, 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 or let's see, it shows to them they need to work on their attitude. Now, if all they are is a hearer of the word, here's what they do, is they leave and they forget they need to work on their attitude. They come to church and they hear a sermon that's preached and it, and it speaks to their overall, say, level of involvement in the things of God. And they know, okay, that's what the word of God says and the word of God is right. But because they're just a hearer of the word, they immediately forget that it's something that needs to happen. So as you think about this word forget, what does that mean? Well, the word forget, I think many of us sometimes assume that it means this, and rightfully so, but like to no longer be mindful of something. You know, maybe you heard it, but you're just not mindful of it. Maybe it's something that slips the mind, like we just, well, we weren't thinking and it just slipped our mind, so therefore we would say we forgot But I thought this was interesting. I did a little bit more study on it than I've ever done before. And this word forget doesn't just carry the idea of something slipping the mind or things of that nature. It also means this, to be oblivious to something. To be oblivious to something. Follow this. Because I'm not real good with definitions to words that I don't use just every day, I looked up the word oblivious. What does it mean to be oblivious? I I think I have a general idea, but, but what does it mean to be oblivious? It means this, to be unaware of something or unconcerned. But it also means, if you're oblivious, to not care. To not care. Think about that illustration I gave just a moment ago. Some of you have been guilty of doing the exact same thing I just mentioned. But, but you walk into the restroom or wherever you may have a mirror in your house, and it reveals to you exactly what you are. But the reason, like for myself, that I'm able to just dismiss it and go into the living room and sit in my recliner, it's because I don't care. Listen, James said, for the person who hears the word of God, but that's all they do is they just hear it, they are like the person or to be compared to the person who sees their image, has everything revealed to them, but they go on their way and they immediately forget what manner of person they are. You know why? Because ultimately they don't care. They don't care. 
Now, I know there may be some argument to this, and and I'll deal with that in just a moment. But see, it's kind of like this. A person hears a sermon, and I don't mean to just keep harping on these. They're just ones that kind of come to mind. But, But let's just say somebody hears a sermon about attitude. You really need to work on your attitude, and and they hear it, and they acknowledge it, yes. Uh, Yeah, they really need to work on the attitude, but they don't do what needs to happen. Why do they not do what needs to happen to change their attitude? James says because they don't really care. Because, see, if they really cared, they would work on changing their attitude. See, you, you, you hear a sermon maybe, someone does, somewhere out there, they, they hear this sermon about being a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or a better child, whatever it is, and they hear the sermon and they say to themselves, yeah, I probably ought to be a better husband. Yeah, I probably ought to be a better wife. Yeah, I probably ought to be a better kid. Whatever it is, I probably ought to do better. But they go on and nothing ever changes. Why didn't they change? Because they didn't really care. Are we hearing this? The reason nothing changed is because they don't really care. Why didn't they get faithful into the house of God? Because they don't really care about being faithful to the house of God. Why are they still critical? Because they really don't care about not being critical. Why are they still doing this? Because they really don't care. Now, I I know what people say because I've said this before. No, 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 you've got it all wrong. I do care. I just, whatever the excuse is then. Well, see, here's the problem. That doesn't line up with Scripture. Because, see, if we really care, it will really then become something we're mindful of, striving to get victory in this area. Well, I really want my attitude to change. It's just really hard. No, the reason it's still a bad attitude is because you don't care about your attitude. Well, you know, I really want to be faithful to the house of God. I just, I got so many things going on. No, you don't want to be faithful because you don't care. Because if you cared, you would be. It would be a priority. See what James is saying? Listen, if, if I really care about being a better husband... I'll work at being a better husband. But if I don't really care about it, I can immediately forget where my flaws are, even though I just had them revealed to me through the perfect law of liberty. See, in order for me to be a doer of the word, I have to care enough to do what the Word of God tells me to do. And if I'm not willing to do what God's Word says, then the bottom line is, I don't care enough to change my actions. So why do people still struggle in this area? Why do people still struggle in this area? Why do people still struggle in this area? Listen, after a while it boils down to this, they don't care. They don't care. Because if they cared, they would get victory over it eventually. 
It's kind of amazing. He says, you know, if, if you behold yourself and straightway forget what manner of person you were, you just don't care. He says, if that's what you are, that's why you are what you are, because you don't care. But I think if you think about the context, this is also a part of it. Go back to verse number 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What? Deceiving your own selves. Think about this. Again, the context is kind of interesting if you'll focus on this. You know what James is telling believers? He is telling them that we are able to deceive ourselves. We are able to lie to ourselves and tell ourselves we're okay. So the Word of God may confront this. The Word of God may confront something else. The Word of God may strike us here. The Word of God may rebuke us here. And, and, and as the Word of God does all that, we may hear it, but we don't care about it. For what reason? Because we've deceived ourselves thinking that we're not really in need of whatever the Word of God has confronted us on. Be a better husband. All right. I don't really care. Why don't you care? Because I'm a pretty good husband. But the Word of God just kind of confronted you and you felt this conviction. And yet, if you're not careful... You can tell yourself that you're okay. Well, why is that? Because you've not received with meekness the engrafted Word of God. Because you've not been quick to hear, but you have been quick to speak and quick to wrath. Does this make sense? The Word of God confronts our attitude. Yeah, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I hear what the Scripture says, but, but we don't really care to change anything about our attitude. Why? Because we have deceived ourselves into thinking it's really not that big of a deal. And the reason we've deceived ourselves is because we're not ready to humble ourselves and admit that the Word of God is right. So ready, rather than being quick to hear it, we're slow to hear it and then quick to respond with an excuse or anger as to why we're not doing what the Word of God says. I hope this is being communicated in the way that, that I think it ought to be. People don't change what they know needs to be changed because they don't care to change what needs to be changed. Because they have deceived themselves. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good individual. And it's pride that keeps them from receiving the word of God. And they've got all the excuses and all the reasons for why it can't or why it doesn't need to change in their life. We see ourselves for what we are, but because we don't care, 
we can immediately go on our way and continue as we have always been because we're not going to listen to what God's Word says. I do find this interesting. hope it will be a help to us today. The contrast to the hearer only and not the doer is seen in the rest of verse number 25. He said, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he actually does it, he being not a forgetful or unconcerned hearer, but a doer of the work. Isn't that an interesting phrasing? A doer of the work. Like to do what you've been confronted on, it will require work. It's not just going to happen overnight. It's going to require work. I, I just find it interesting what he says. But a doer of the work, the one who is willing to put forth the effort because they actually care and they're not a forgetful hearer, he said, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This man shall be blessed in his actions. I don't know if you're guilty of this at times, but just sometimes reading it and you don't really think about all the ramifications, we just jump to conclusions and assume we're right. Have you ever done that in the Scripture? Three of us have, some of us have. Think about this, all right? I don't know how many times I've read through verse number 25 over the course of my life and I just kept on trucking into verse number 26. But this week I stopped and I asked myself this question. This man shall be blessed in his deed. What does this mean? Because I know what I think of whenever I think of blessings. I think of good things coming my way. You know, that's a blessing from God. Whenever something good happens to me, then that's when I'm blessed. And if something's not good, then that couldn't possibly be a blessing, right? That's how I think and that's how a lot of people think. And so I thought to myself, okay, are there people out there who really do enjoy a lot of good things in life, but they don't live according to the truth of God's Word? Well, yes, that, that happens all the time, every day, right now as I speak. There are people, for lack of better words, living much better lives than you and I, and they don't have any concern for the things of God, not for a moment. So whenever James says... But a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James was not suggesting for a moment that blessings and prosperity were coming my way if I do right. You understand this? He's not suggesting, buddy, if you'll do right, it's about to all get good for you. But what does it mean then to be blessed? It means this in part... To experience joy or gladness. So for the one who is a doer of the work, then he will be the one who is blessed, who knows joy, who knows gladness in the midst of his actions of what? His actions or his deeds of obedience. James is simply reminding us that there is joy and blessing that comes in obedience to God's Word that can never be known in disobedience to God's Word. If a person 
looks into the perfect law of liberty, continues therein, is not a forgetful hearer, but does the work, you know what they'll find? They'll find joy in the action of obedience. How many of us, if you'd just be honest this morning, how many of us have ever finally surrendered and accepted with humility the perfect word of truth, the perfect law of liberty? How many of us have ever surrendered? And we could say, you know, there was that time in this particular area of my life, I finally just surrendered and I started doing what God said. Have we ever been there? Most of us have. Wouldn't we say by way of testimony that that was one of the greatest moments in our lives when we finally surrendered and got things right with God? And isn't it amazing that once we have surrendered and we have made things right with God, there comes this joy and blessing then in the act of obedience that we were never able to have or experience in the act of rebellion and disobedience? See, James is not suggesting, as I've already said, that once you start obeying, then everything's going to turn around and everything's going to go well for you. But what he is saying is this, is you will know blessing as a result of the action of obedience. But friends, if you don't care, James says, about doing right, then you will never know the blessing that comes in living right. You just won't. And so James says, be a doer, not just a hearer only. Don't deceive yourself. Care. Care enough to want to do what the Word of God says. Care enough that you want to change things. Care enough that you want to make things right, no matter what it is. Care enough that you're willing to change your schedule, whatever it takes. Care enough to do right. Because if you will care enough to do right and humble yourself before God and quick to hear it, then here is what you can enjoy, the blessing that comes from obedience. So many people live miserable, miserable lives because they constantly run from God's will in their life. God's will, God's plan, God's desire, they run from it. And they're miserable because they don't really care enough to do what's right. Now this morning, I'm just going to say this and then we'll close. Here's what I know. All of us are doers of the word. Right? I mean, I'm a doer of the word. Duh, I'm the preacher. I'm a doer of the word. You're a doer of the Word, right? I mean, you're a good Sunday Christian. You're a doer of the Word. I mean, you pretty much got everything in place, right? Well, that's not exactly true, if we're honest. 
And if some of us would be honest, here's what we know, that there are certain areas in our lives where we're still miserable. I'm not saying this is true of everyone. I'm just saying it is true of some. You're still miserable because your attitude still stinks. You're still miserable because you're not working on your marriage like you ought to be working on your marriage. If you'd be honest, you'd have to say, you know, I'm still miserable because I've still got that same self-righteous spirit. I'm still miserable because I know that I don't have my priorities in line. Listen, before we jump to this conclusion that we're all doers of the word and we got it all squared away, let's be honest and ask ourselves, are there any areas of life where if we could just pull back the veil and stop playing the games, we'd have to admit this ain't fun. This isn't enjoyable. You know why that is? It's because we haven't made things right yet and surrendered to God's will and just doing what he tells us to do. Why do people not do God's word? Because they don't care. Why don't they care? Because they deceive themselves. So therefore, they don't receive the word of God with the meekness and the humility that they ought. And they're quick to rationalize, justify, excuse, whatever the sinful activity may be. And if you don't watch it and you push their button just right, they'll get mad at you. But don't you dare question them. They're right with God, even though the scripture says they're not. The one who does right is the one who is blessed in their deed. We really need to ask ourselves, which one are we? Not what we present ourselves to be on Sundays, but what are we Monday morning throughout the week when the spotlight's not on? Something to think about. Let's all stand and bow our heads for prayer. Father, as we come to you this morning, I know that maybe the thoughts did not come out as clearly as I had hoped, Lord, there may be some here today that their immediate response would still be, I do care, I'm just not doing it. God, I pray that you'd help us to realize we don't care if we're not even working at changing it. And God, there may be some this morning who just need to hear one more time if they would just surrender and stop justifying it and, and, and having this oblivious attitude to what it is they're doing. Maybe they just need to hear one more time that they would be so much happier if they would just surrender to your will. I, I don't know what needs to happen. But Lord, I think many of us today could use this sermon in, in one way or another. I pray that you'd bless the invitation today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.